Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On SEN Tassie, Flash, with David Lithgow. Good morning to everybody, wherever you're listening around this great little island of ours, Tasmania, around the world on the SEN app. David Lithgow with you this morning. Great to have your company in a little bit of a miserable morning, the rain coming down. We've had a beautiful couple of days in Hobart, finally getting a little bit of spring action, which we've been waiting for so long. Great to have your company this morning. And as always, breakfast with Flash doesn't go out with Brett Jeeves as well at the moment. For Amy, the doers of insurance and Harrison agents, Tasmanian real estate experts, we are live on SEN Tas across Tasmania and the SEN app. Morning, Jeeva. Good morning, mate. Um, great to be here. I'm, I'm thrilled with that opener. It's, it's breakfast with Flash and like we joked about last week, this has been your dream. So I'm, I'm thrilled for you that you've got your own little grab. Congrats. Okay, sure. That's good. How you been? It's been a busy week. What have yeah. you been doing? Just work. Kids. Yeah. Mm. More work, more kids. Mm. Um, kids sport, chaos. Cricket last Sunday uh, was interesting. I, I fear for, for, for cricket. At the moment, I, I I really do in terms of the just the junior. So hang on, what cricket last Sunday you talking junior about? Junior landscape, so, so junior cricket under thirteens. Yeah, um, and the way and the way cricket's structured up. So stage one, there's a stage one cricket for 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 the for beginners, and it's yes. the purest form of the game. I absolutely love it. Yeah, fifteen balls per kid. Uh, you rotate eight eight kids on the field. You rotate positions. Yes, everyone fields in every position, and you bowl equal overs. Yeah, equal overs. Every person, equal batting share, filled in every position. Can't get out. Come and have a as go. Many runs Enjoy as you yourself. Can. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's great to watch. Stage two is a little different. Um, uh, a little bit, you get some more balls, but it's the same concept. You rotate, same balls, same overs, except you're out. When, when, when you're out, you're out. Uh, and under 13s, it's kind of the same, but they introduce LBW. And, and I kind of feel that, uh, particularly after watching... Sunday and, and, and the game itself, uh, our team was all out 65, so all of our boys got a bat whilst many only faced two or three balls. The uni team knocked them over in about seven overs. Six kids didn't get a bat. Three of their kids didn't get a bowl. What a day. Just, yeah. it doesn't, I'm not sure it works. And, and we've spoken about junior basketball, up and down, you're in the play, you're on offense, you're on defense. Mm. And even if you're on the bench for two or three minutes, my young bloke says, uh, I don't mind sitting on the bench because I know I'm five minutes away from being back in the play again. Yeah. It's not far away. Whereas cricket doesn't have that same level of intensity throughout. You can you can go an entire day, face one ball, yes. and that's it. And I, I, I fear that for kids, particularly in that age bracket, under 15 and below, 
um, it, be, it, it could potentially well, be steering some kids the, away from the The participation rates still of cricket are, are very good. Um, and I know you've had this conversation with basketball, etc., many, many times. But look, I was at the netball, actually. Um, interstate netball, one of my daughters, two of my daughters were playing, I should say. The hundreds and hundreds of kids. Oh, you know, you know charts, I, I, yeah. I laughed at those people the other week who were whinging about the government and Victoria spending four million bucks a year for four years on the on the on the Australian whole Australian netball scene. Well, it was great, buddy, and great bond because there's netball kids everywhere. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. You know, netball's a great game. I wish almost us blokes could have had the opportunity to play it. I reckon it's a super game. Tough. Anyway, by the way, I'll tough probably on get... the, tough on the ankles and the and the knees. Super game, but yeah, I just yeah. I, I fear for cricket a little bit, just okay. as far as keeping these kids engaged on the day. Yep. Um, I know what my young bloke's mind is like. Sure. It's racing. He's yes. everywhere. It's yeah. active. Yeah, that's and okay though, isn't it? Isn't it okay to have an active go in all sorts of directions at that age, regardless? Oh, absolutely. I'm you all know? for it. Embra- yep. Yeah, absolutely. We we embrace it, but. Cricket as a game on that Sunday morning, my yep. fear is that after Christmas, he might just be like, oh, geez, I'm going to go and stand well, and watch for four hours. Well, he, unless he was watching last night. Well, and, what, yeah. and that was that was an incredible performance from England. We're going to talk uh, lots of cricket going forward. Bharat Sundarasan is going to join us today. Um, Indian cricket writer with Cricket Buzz, SEN commentator, of course. He'll be a little flat after what we saw last night, of course. England getting them none down, none for 168. What a chase from Hales and Butler. Quite, quite remarkable, Brett. And, and, in, and India will just be sitting back this morning thinking, um, you know, what, what was that first 10, 12 overs? I think after 13 overs, they were still, golly, were they three for uh, 75? Was that three for 80, mate? Perhaps they just got to 80. Um, finished with an absolute snowstorm. I mean, incredible back end from India, but it appeared to be a few too, not too many, Brett, and maybe we've just been jibbed. And I say that word with a, without, a proper jib that we don't without, get without to knowing see. Without its meaning? What it, is well, jibbed? Well, we've been, we've been stooged. No <laughs> India, Pakistan, yeah, you know, okay, which would have been... You. I'll ask you this question for something for later on. I mean, have we been starved of what would have been the greatest... Uh, one-off sporting event ever seen in Australia. I'm not sure that it wouldn't have been. By the way, I think Pakistan and England will be absolutely oh, yeah. sensational. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's going to be a game, but uh, you are right. Great analysis. Butler, 80 off 49, striking at 163. Hales, 86 off 47, striking at 182. Uh, it was brutal. None for 33 after three. It was over after, like, they're just... Brutal. Brutal. From, it, the, from, from the get-go. And it's 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 been interesting this week to to hear from some some former uh, Australian players talk about the Australian setup and and you know really interestingly and 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 I I kind of shared the same observation they they played scared yeah. Australia yeah uh, Davey Warner didn't come out and and do what he did to South Africa yep. in his first ever T Twenty game you know when he came out and set the world on fire and was just trying to hit six after mm. six after six. You know this 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 low level strategy. It seemed like the, the the specific strategy for the Australians was get off to a, a a mature start, and we can get them in the back end. That that's not that's not yes. been the style. Um, and uh, interestingly, Flash, I want to mention this because this, this made me laugh out loud. Yeah, Michael Clark called it un-Australian. What's he done? Oh, right. Yeah, so sure. Michael Clark's come out and yep. he's, he's called it un-Australian. And then I thought. 
this morning. The performance on Australia. The, per- the sure. performance on yep. Australia. And the, and the attitude. And oh, yeah, the, the whole the, thing. The whole thing yep. on Australia. And so I wanted to make sure when, when we spoke about it today, they had the quote right. So I Googled Michael Clark. Yes. Uh, just to, and then hit news. And, and this is what came up. And I laughed down at Banjo's getting the coffee. The poor lady barista just stared at me. They're great down there. The, the, the first four stories. Aussies left with real dislike for T20 World Cup side amid claims of un-Australian behaviour. Story two, Michael Clark calls out un-Australian flop in T20 World Cup fallout. Number three, very un-Australian cricket. Michael Clark slams Australia. The, f- the fourth, <laughs> the fourth story, Clark dons $1,200 shirt on date with Carl. Oh, my god! Carl Ste- Stefanovic. You want to talk about un-Australian, Michael yeah. Clark? How's your $1,200 shirt going? My God. <laughs> Where is this world at? Never been a fave of yours. Oh, come on. Captain. What are we doing? Mm. $1,200 Did you have any shirts. interactions with him on the field? Uh, I think I only bowled to him the once, a couple Did of you? times. He didn't play for New South Wales a lot looking back, nah, did he? No, no, no. He was, he was out of that scene, but... Um, that that's uh, just that made me laugh. It just really made me laugh. Well, they've got the job done, England, last night, uh, in very comprehensive fashion. And the talk was, of course, no Mark Wood. You know, they've lost their big quick, um, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to go through and play Pakistan. I think I've got a feeling that we're all going to be barracking for them uh, against England. I think it'll be a ninety percent, ten percent split. We're all on Pakistan, but I imagine I'm interested to see. Text him what you what you're doing, oh four three seven double five two five three five. O four three seven double five two five three five. Texas, what's your thoughts? Who are you going for? Have you enjoyed the World Cup? I think it's been absolutely and utterly sensational. We're going to be talking about it coming up after the news a little bit later on today. Sam McDaniel from the Jack Jumpers going to have a conversation. We're in a FIBA break now, Brett, so there's no NBL basketball for the next week or so, but uh, the Jack Jumpers at 5-5 five and five at this little mini break. David Lithgow and Brett Jeeves with you this morning. Great to have your company. Goes hard to log on. It's over the top of Coley. It's six. The full firepower of England's openers unleashed in Adelaide. The butler did it. In a hailstorm the likes of which cricket has rarely seen. England romp home in the semi-final. None down. And this World Cup will finish on a nostalgic note. It's a reprise of 1992. We go back to the MCG to see Pakistan and England in the trophy decider. That was the call from Jared last night. What a performance from England. And we all get jibbed of what we wanted to. Brett Jeeves, of course, we don't. I'm not sure about jibbed. Wow. Just, yeah, let's, look, just, we, we, let's just not use it again until we can get some <laughs> formal clarification from someone. Pakistan and India is what we wanted. But an amazing performance. And there in Adelaide to watch it in his hometown or his new hometown from the last few years. And the host of a tremendous program I'll talk about yesterday, which I listened to an hour of, Barat Sandrasun. Good morning, my friend. How are you going? Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, mixed emotions. Uh, I was also oh. gunning for an India-Pakistan final, a repeat of what we saw a few weeks ago at the MCG. But, but hey, maybe we're getting a repeat of what we saw 30 years ago. And maybe it's Pakistan's time again to, as Bill Lorry said, up, up in the air, and Pakistan win the World Cup. Maybe we're going to see a repeat of that. 
Well, I did enjoy. Well, I did full respect to Jared putting the um, the mayonnaise on the end of it about that. That we, you know, here we go with the two thousand, the nineteen ninety two replay, etc. I get that, and I probably would have done the same thing. However, very much a disappointing sense. But I tell you what, the 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 second option, Pakistan and England, will still be absolutely sensational. Tell us about the game uh, last night and. Is it really simple that we break it down to those first 10 or 12 overs for India where it was a very confusing top-order approach from India from my perspective? How did you see it? Uh, no, it really summed up. You're absolutely right, Flash. This first 10 overs summed up where India are as a T20i team. Um, they've been trying to break free. They've been trying to play the kind of fearless cricket that they like to talk about. Uh, but, I mean, realist cricket doesn't just mean coming out and playing a lot of shots. Not that we saw that either. Uh, it's about uh, having the right man mindset. It's about picking the right team, which can play that brand of cricket. But somewhere Indian cricket seems to be stuck in between taking the full plunge and still hanging on to you know uh, what they believe can still work in T20 cricket. And it all played out in those first 10 hours where even though England bowled really well, their plans were great, their execution was good, they never got going. And then they were uh, left to play catch-up. They did all right in the last five, six overs. They did more than all right. But it was never going to be enough against the firepower of this English side, especially if they didn't lose early wicket. Barat, uh, Brett here, mate. I'm... I'm... I'm sad for you because I know that uh, back home in, in, in India, um, it would be chaos at the moment. Oh. What, will be, what will be the consequences, ramifications for this Indian team from that loss last night? And, and, and also provide us a bit of, a bit of insight into, into what it will be like in India at the moment after that loss. Uh, no, I mean, uh, red television screens would have been switched off a few minutes before that last six was hit. I don't think they would have been listening <laughs> to Jared's call. Uh, they wouldn't have wanted to know how England finished it off. Because it, 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 it's not just the fact that India have exited in the semi-final stage, but they've been smashed. They, they were just you know, humbled at the Adelaide over last night uh, by England, uh, who, again, going back to how to play T20 cricket, uh, they, were, they were given a lesson, a masterclass on how where T20 cricket is right now. So, yeah, I mean, the post-mortems will continue for quite a while. Um, already, I was just walking around the media centre yesterday listening to some of the regional news channels whose reporters are here covering this tournament. Yeah, pretty much every member of that 15 uh, or every member of that squad was uh, being criticised whether he or she played a game or not. <laughs> so, but that's how it's going to be. Because look, it also means that that run uh, without a T20 World Cup uh, trophy now climbs to 17 years, right? The next World Cup is 2024. So India yet to have won a, 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 a T20 title since the IPL came into being, which you were a part of in the early days, Brett. So you know how it is. So it, it, it's quite something. And again, no World Cup, no ICC trophy to talk about since the 2011 50-over uh, World Cup. So while Indian cricket keeps rising um, as a superpower in terms of its finances, mm, there will be people who will say, but... Like, you know, it doesn't even mean anything if they don't win world titles. Yeah, which is which is a great question. So, I mean, if you, if you, if you look at their, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of look towards the next World Cup and the preparation for that. What can they change? I mean, they've already got um, the biggest T20 competition in the world in terms of, you know, franchises and money spent. And so there, there's a tick there. Does it then break down into, into some of the domestic structures or domestic preparations? What, what do you think can change and how can they improve? 
No, I mean, look, if you have the biggest T20 league in the world, which like they do, um, that needs to reflect in the way you play your T20i cricket, mm. right? And it goes back to not being fearless enough. It goes back to not really tapping into where this format is currently at the international level. Uh, and look, no surprises that the two guys who really stood out, uh, apart from Virat Kohli, who is just a class apart, is are Surya Kumar Yadav and Arshdeep Singh, who have done well in domestic cricket, uh, Surya Kumar Yadav, for years. But it's really... Uh, what he's done in the IPL in the last couple of years that helped him break into the side. And he's allowed to play what he the way he does in the IPL. Whereas lots of these other IPL stars, young guys like Prithvi Shaw and all these others, haven't got that opportunity. Uh, India still kind of hung on to the Rohits and the Virats. White ball grades, all right. But are they playing T20 cricket at the level where it's being played at everywhere else? And, and I think that's what needs to happen, right? What happens in the IPL needs to somehow start to be reflecting at in the international team and that's the only way India will catch up. Can you can you see some similarities in in Australia and the BBL? So you know, you kind of spoke about the success of the IPL and that should reflect in 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 a successful Indian team and, and certainly an approach. If you look at the BBL has been on the slide last season, the season before, the crowds are declining, the international star power isn't quite there and we and we've seen certainly over the last period and, and this tournament, the Australian team really struggling in the in the format. Can you can you make that comparison, do you think? I think it's a great comparison. And uh, also, uh, you know, Australia did win the World Cup last year, but nobody gave mm. them a chance. But I think you'd agree that that did not make them the best team in this format, right? It, uh, they won a lot of tosses, whatever they tried worked out for them last year. And some guys really put their hands up, uh, up and down the order to help them win that trophy. But this year, they went in with a pretty similar philosophy with maybe a couple of newer names, like Tim David coming through the system. But it didn't work out. They were found out as well, right? Australia, uh, even going into that last game where they wanted a big win and they just tried going uh, hell for leather, it didn't work out against a very seasoned Afghanistan team, who again, who had players who played so much more T20 cricket than some of the Aussies who were in that playing eleven. So, in a way, it does. I mean, it kind of reflects... Um, uh, an almost an approach which needs to be kind of completely changed, and uh, there needs to be a clean sweep, not just with Indian T20 cricket but Australian T20 cricket as well. Uh, tell me about what I want to focus on just for the moment here, Brett. Is last night um, rolls the first wicket down, and just in the middle part of the second over at one for nine. The next wicket fell at 2 for 56 at the last ball of the ninth over. I think maybe there was one more delivery to go. That period last night, I found it very confusing watching last night. You've got, you know, two of the two of the best players in the world still in Sharma and Kohli, Yadav to come, etc. Um, and we saw what Hardik did late in the... I, I, I found their tactics really, really funny and unusually Kohli for me... Just let the dictating happen from the other end, from in the with the with the bowlers. Is that is that a bit too brutal, or well, what was your reflection? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, look, that's where India lost the game, uh, right? They just, yep. just did not put enough runs on the board. Uh, and for England, batted, who knows? Maybe even if they put two hundred on that pitch. Uh, it, Credit to Josh Butler. Not many people expected uh, the team winning the toss to uh, not bat first on that pitch, uh, which, oh, 
I hope we stop calling it the use switch. It was used six days ago, so I don't even know whether it counts in the T20 sense. But no, you're right. Um, uh, there was a sameness to it, right? And you, when you have unpredictable batters or guys who can really shock the opposition like Surik Maryadav, like Rishabh Pant, like Butler and Hales, you want them to spend more time out there or at least uh, be given uh, a, a longer go uh, in this format. So that not only are they scoring runs quickly, but they're always keeping the opposition on their feet, making them change their plans, which is what Surya has done throughout this tournament. But with Rohit, who has struggled for form throughout this tournament, uh, he got stuck. Virat Kohli uh, was clearly getting frustrated, not getting to run the twos that he wanted to at least three or four times. I noticed him getting quite annoyed while he was batting with Rohit. And, you know, by the time Rohit Sharma got out, um, they were already at the halfway mark. And I think Adil Rashid deserves a lot of credit as well. He bowled really well, but I completely agree with you. They were, he was allowed to bowl very well as well. He, he wasn't really taken apart. The one time Surya Kumar Yadav tried to do that, again, credit to Adil Rashid, he, he got him out. So that's the period where maybe India will look back and say, that's where we need someone uh, like the like what you know England have. These guys who just come and actually play for your cricket and just not talk about it. Bharat, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about the brilliance of Jared Waitley. You've, you've spent uh, a little bit of time with him throughout the T20 World Cup. And uh, before we, we had you on, I'm not sure if you listened to the opener, the, the call of, um, of Jared um, uh, at the back end of the game last night. And, and he said, and, and I want to ask you whether, whether this was pre-planned or whether this just flew off the top of, uh, off the top of his head. Excuse me. The but. I'm not sure what's happened there. A bit of Alex Jezelinko. But uh, he said, the butler did it in a hailstorm the likes we've never seen. Is that, is that something you think he's been sitting on for this moment over the last 10 years? If Butler, Hale, dominate a game, I'm going to run with this? Or is that just flown off the top of his head, do you think? I mean, you've, you've done a lot of live radio, hosted shows, written. You're a master of the English language. What do you think? Uh, no, I mean that's just the brilliance of Jared Whitley. He just comes through. He does it over and over again, right? Not not just with cricket, but with footy and every other sport he he calls around the world. Uh, I was there right behind him, and he, you know, he produced one of the, the best calls ever seen, I guess, in T20 World Cup or any World Cup uh, history with Virat Kohli at the MCG, and he mm. matched it last night. I was standing right behind him. Uh, I mean, that's just the. Uh, the master at work, to be very, very honest. Uh, it just, these lines just come to you, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's one thing these lines coming to you, but then to deliver it when it matters and the way he does it uh, is what makes him the best in the world. Now, now listen, my good friend, I was listening tomorrow to your show yesterday and we got a little bit of that, just uh, that little sting. Can I, I'll get Link just to play that little three-second sting for me again. I need you to help me out here. That's a- Basilenko, you beauty. <laughs> Run me through that. That was brilliant yesterday with you and Colo, by the way. I was enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Honestly, I never imagined I would get to host a radio show and that to a 3R1 and that to uh, you know, be part of um, Australian radio broadcasting history in, in, in a way. Uh, Colo said he grew up listening to the quiz. Uh, the super quiz, the sports quiz, and uh, yeah, and look, I've gotten used to being uh, referred to with uh, many names. Uh, after I moved here, I have an alter ego. Uh, Flash knows all about it. I'm also called Barry Sanderson by some, uh, but yeah, Baz and Basilenko <laughs> seem to have caught on. So 
Uh, yeah, I don't know how my family back in India will react to it. I don't think they'll get it. But yeah, <laughs> it, it was quite an experience, and to have callers uh, as well, Collins, you know, and we had guests from everywhere, from Harsha Bhogle to Zana Babar to Ian Smith to Sam Perry and the English media. So it was great fun. Thank you so much for listening to it. It was terrific and great to hear your voice. Uh, just in a word, who wins the final? Uh, I think I, I spoiled it uh, at the very start of the show. Flash, up, up in the air, Pakistan, win the World Cup. I think we're going to see a bit of that. <laughs> uh, also, bro, you might want to keep that Bill Laurie impersonation to yourself moving forward. <laughs> I was happy with that. Yeah, hey, hey, it's also, it, it's also 6.55 in the morning. I'm just not even happy. It is, mate. We will well see mate. where we are like, in the next few hours. <laughs> see you, guys. Legend. Loved having you on again, mate, and uh, great to hear your voice over what's been a wonderful World Cup in 2022 here in Australia. Jeeva, I love... Absolutely love talking to Murad about cricket. It's always excellent. Good dude too. Um, he's yeah, he's terrific. That show you said with Colo was fantastic. Pure cricket focus, and I really think it um, it emphasises the, the the popularity we've had with this World Cup. I mean, we know here with SEN with SEN cricket how it's just it's been incredible. Um, just uh, look, it, it's been great. It's been well, great. he's a, and he's a. He's a great writer. He uh, is. Barat yeah. speaks well. Good yeah. sense of humour. Yeah. Um, likes a beer. Likes a beer. <laughs> tick, 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 tells tick, a great tick. story. He does. Puts a bit of mayo on him. I like uh, that. Can't miss. No. Nah, he, he's excellent. So, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully we get to speak to him uh, again after the after the final, maybe next Friday. Um, but uh, it, it, it really has been an exciting World Cup, like you said, Dave, and it's... If, for me personally, it's kind of rejuvenated a bit of bit of passion which in the I game again, amazing. which is well, it's been it's been terrific. I did get a giggle when South Africa got bundled out of the uh, out of the out of the pool stage, yes. missed out on the semi-finals. Uh, of course, you and I called the Pakistan Zimbabwe game that turned into complete. Oh, oh sorry, Pakistan South Africa Zimbabwe game that turned into complete farce. Over which Bell we said Reef. this could cost someone a World Cup spot. Cost them a World Cup spot. <laughs> South Africa said that on on its own. I actually, I spoke isolation to has. quickly. I know we've got to get to a break, but um, spoke with Graham Hamley yesterday, who's the, uh, the president of treasure chairman of the Tasmanian Umpiring Scorers treasure Association. Chairman. What's a treasure chairman? He's a treasurer sure. slash chairman yeah, for sure. president something. He's in there. He's in the upper echelon. I yeah. asked him about the the rules around Duckworth Lewis in that scenario. That you know, if if you've got a twenty over game, then five overs is the is is the is the cutoff. But surely, if you bring it down to a nine over game. That need, the the overs required needs to reduce as well, and he goes, yeah, they just didn't quite get that far in the, in the rule book. Just, so. to, just a reminder, it was a nine-over game. Uh, Zimbabwe made eighty, eighty, so they were chasing eighty, and South Africa, when the rain came, were none for fifty off, none for fifty-six off three, off three overs to conquer mm. was going bonkers. The mm. rain set in, cost them half a point, and potentially, well. It did cost him a semi-final spot. It was a debacle. And, and here we are now, Pakistan playing England. Pakistan, I don't know who's favourite. Um, a 50-50 game. I don't think there are any any favourites in T20 no, cricket, are there? It is a flip of a coin. Whoever gets hot early generally wins the game. They do. Mm. Let's go to break. Great to have you with us this morning. It's a little bit balmy. It feels a little bit humid with a bit of rain around and some hot days, but... It's a good week. Well, I say it's a good weekend before we go, Brett. The weather looks atrocious here. Yeah, it's going to rain again. Half, I don't know what's yep. happening. Great to have you on the radio, however. We'll be back here at the MCG in just a few moments.
David Lithgow and Brett Jeeves with you on a Friday morning. Great to have your company. Thanks for joining us. Sport Frenzy still over the weekend. World Cup final coming up on Saturday night. A little break with the Jack Jumpers at the moment. They're on, well, not on leave. They won't be back and playing until next Friday night. That'll be the first game, Brett, in Launceston when the Silverdome gets their extravaganza of basketball fix a couple of games up there, of course, this year. Uh, great to have online now the Nash Nation Director of White Ribbon, Alan Ball, has kindly joined us. Good morning to you, Alan. How are you going? Uh, good morning, good morning. I'm doing really well, thank you. Calling here from Ghana country in South Australia. Oh, yeah. And what, what sort of region are we there? Where are you? Like, point us out in terms of the demographic from Adelaide. Oh, look, um. Uh, right in the heart of the city, so Crows Country. Good on you, Crows Country. What a shame. Do we like Crows fans? <laughs> Not sure we do. Get out where, get out down a, down a port, get down the wharf. <laughs> Alan, yeah. tell us, great great to have you with us. Uh, White Ribbon Day is upon us, and I'd love you to just tell us about what that means and what it means to you and and for all of us moving forward. Certainly. White Ribbon Day is an opportunity to unite the nation around the issue, the biggest social issue we've got, which is men's violence against women and children. And we're not talking this year about violence is bad or that we should all be aware that violence is happening. Australia knows that. We're talking about being the change. What can we do about it? Because everyone, really, everyone has a unique contribution to make to create a kinder, safer, more respectful place one in three women right now in Australia are experiencing some form of physical, emotional, sexual abuse. And we're, and unfortunately, we've had um, 30, 30, over 30 women murdered this year um, at the hands of a former or current male partner. So this is a critical issue that we all need to get behind and we all need to stop it. It's something that's very preventable. You mentioned about let's be the change. Um, tell us about that and tell us about some of the steps that that we really need to be putting in process as a society moving forward. Well, change happens at every level and it starts with a conversation. Yep. We all have a voice, right? So we can all learn about the issue, be aware about it, and then take those steps, as you said. So it first starts with acknowledging, particularly Australian blokes, this isn't a women's issue. This is a men's issue too, women's safety, gender equality, and that nobody's going to lose out. Um, if somebody comes to you and talks about having a bit of trouble in their relationship or showing signs of withdrawal or looking like they're anxious or frustrated or out of character, check in with them. Ask them, are you okay? And walk with them. Believe them that something might be happening. And more importantly, as Australian men, we can do some thinking about the power and privilege that we've got by just being born male and understand that that power and privilege has a role to play in gender stereotypes. Um, I don't know about you, but um, as an Australian bloke, um, living up to the expectation that, that boys don't cry or that you have to be a certain way um, in terms of your masculinity, that makes us, that, that constrains us. So we want to flip that on its head and we want to say to Australian blokes, you don't have to live up to those standards that you can experience in a range of emotions because fundamentally what that means is that we are tuning into what's going on for ourselves and then we can 
start to process that and, and be really true to what we're experiencing. Alan, I'm the father of three boys, 11, 8 and 6. At what, at what age can you start to, to, to teach those types of preventative lessons uh, to young boys? And you know, I guess to add to that, what are, what are some of the key messages that we can feed through to, uh, to, to young boys in, in those age groups? Oh, look, education can start as early as possible, um, as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and the literature and evidence does support that, that the earlier we get in, we can really rewrite those expectations about what it means to be a young boy. Um, what we need to teach young boys particularly um, is around respectful relationships. And it's great that we've got a mainstream focus now, particularly in the national plan, to address respectful relationships and consent and as boys grow up we can reinforce that in universities in workplaces and and equally in our mateship groups um, what we need to acknowledge too is that um, young boys um, are in environments and if environments aren't set up for success for them um, then they're going to fail so we need not just individuals to tune into that consent or respectful relationship education, we need environments to reinforce it. So some of the work that I talk about um, when I go around this nation is what's going on at home as well, um, what's going on in school or what's going on in peer groups. Can we reinforce some of those messages? Alan, great messages too and so super important to all of us men. Just finally with us on White Ribbon Day, it starts with the ribbon, what happens the next day? Ah, well, we all know that these types of awareness days mean so much to so many people. Um, so today or this week, we're illuminating the issue. We're putting it back on the attention to a lot of people. Um, but tomorrow, you're absolutely right, we can act. So while a lot of big decisions are made in boardrooms, in policy papers and in law, um, we all have the ability to kind of make those changes tomorrow. So you could start with learning more about the issue. Um, jump in on whiteribbon.org.au if you want to find out a little bit more. We've just opened up a digital barbershop so men can come in and download our resources about being a good father, um, gendered stereotypes, or they can get the full shave and learn about the top 10 things they can do for free um, to prevent gendered violence. And if, they want, and if people want to go deeper into it, get a group together, set up a response plan, um, get activated, talk to your mates about it. So we all have got the ability to stop it before it starts. And one thing I know about Australia and one thing I absolutely trust is our spirit of mateship and our ability to come together. We do it in natural crisis. We've done it during COVID-19. We do it during drought and famine. We can definitely do it about this social issue around family violence, particularly men's violence towards women and children. So I know we've got it, Australia. Alan Ball, thanks so much for joining. What great messages there to reinforce to all of us. Enjoy the rest of your day, mate. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. You enjoy your day too, and I'll go back to Crow's country. No, thank you. I'm, I'll maintain they're the worst supporters in the, in the game. Great to have you with us, Alan. <laughs> thanks, Alan. Now, Brett, I've, I've, just coming up after the break here, I've got a question to ask to you, and it's going to form a lot of our conversation over the last hour, and it's about a, a new coach who got a gig in the world of professional sport uh, this week and the impact on that. Let's go to another break. David Lithgow, Brett Jeeves with you this morning. 
We've got some good conversations. Sam McDaniel, the son of Wayne, the Big Mac, hero of yours and mine, Brett, coming up after the 8 o'clock news. On SEN Tassie, Flash with David Lithgow. Oh, I was waiting for Gordon's Alive. <laughs> I didn't get Gordon's Alive. Um, there you go. Pretty boy. Now, this is this is interesting. And I really want you to use your expansive mind to tell me what you think about this. So, in the NFL, um, they don't sack coaches like they do in the EPL. But there, there is a, you know, they do have a lack of time. Um, so, in Indianapolis, who've struggled this year, new quarterback, Poor offensive line, really struggled, sacked their coach. And they have put uh, on a coach this week and nobody in world sports saw it coming. Let's just have a listen to this audio first. This is the new coach of the Colts, Jeff Saturday. What an Ameri- Everybody talks about my – I'm completely comfortable in who I am as a man, bro. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football, and I'm passionate about it. I have no fear about are you as qualified as somebody else. Bro, I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to playoffs 12 times. I had, I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, won Super Bowls, been to two. Like, here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. I ain't dang sure I ain't going to back down. <laughs> this is so, just to put a bit of perspective in it. He was a very good player. He was a center in the NFL. Played indie for a long time. Uh, Brett, he's been an ESPN analyst. Knows the game. No question. But has zero coaching credentials. Zero coaching um, experience etc and I got thinking about it I thought, well like what have we got it all wrong sometimes and can you actually succeed uh, by, by having you know not much I'm, background. I'm, I'm, I'm for this 100% because um, I've I've often wondered in in cricket circles in in particular um, we go down this Former player, the, yeah, the, the greatest former player will make a great coach. Now, yes. I, I don't know anything about Jeff Saturday. I don't know his playing history. I, I'm not. Is he one of the all-time greats no, of the game? No, but, not, no, but he was, a, and he, he was, a, he was a good player. Good player. Yep. Spent a long time in yep. in the game. Been an analyst. Understands the game. The most important thing for him will be the relationship with his players and how he communicates with everyone. Because in the modern day. Uh, you have access to more support. Uh, he'll have, and again, I don't know NFL, but he will have 15 assistant coaches, specialist coaches yes. in defense and offense and all the different positions. He'll have a coach that he can attribute to every single one of those lines and positions. And all he has to do is coordinate and manage that to ensure that each player is getting the right level of support from the right coach. And I can remember writing about this years ago, and I, I went at Darren Lehman, and I copped it big time because you go at Darren Lehman in Australian cricket, and you, you just cop it. It's just what happens. But uh, and I'll, I'll read this too quickly. I just I just found it. How does the Australian head coach and his gaggle of specialists—batting, coaching, bowling coach, fielding coach, 
strength and conditioning coach, physio, masseuse, doctor, team manager, security manager, marketing heads, media types, cone logistics manager, and dietitian get the best out of their players and what is the yearly travel budget. You'd agree that with this level of knowledge and expertise at his disposal, Darren Lehman does not need to know anything about cricket. So why isn't the best man, man manager in all of the land coaching the Australian cricket team? And I made a, a, an attempted joke to follow that up. I wonder what the CEO of my Richard Umbers, <laughs> uh, I'm sure I how to pronounce his name, would look like in a, in a cricket tracksuit. So with, with the level of support on offer to, to the modern day coach, with all these specialists underneath, mm. you've just got to be able to manage men, the end. And if Jeff Saturday can do well, that, uh, he'll find success. Well, dang, as you said, I'm, I'm riding with Jeff Saturday and I'm really getting interested. Well, in yeah, look, <laughs> India, just to put perspective on it, at the start of the year, there was a bit of conversation around India's being a bit of a Super Bowl wild card. Well, they've started out like a, yeah, they're hopeless. They've won two, I think they're two and seven. Um, so, yeah, I find it fascinating. Let's catch some news. We're going to be back in the second hour. Sam McDaniel coming up straight after the news. We're going to talk all things Jack Jumpers. David Lithgow and Brett Jeeves, stay with us. On SEN Tassie, Flash with David Lithgow. Great to have you with us, David Lithgow and Brett Jeeves, with you this morning on a muggy, funny weather Friday morning, as we mentioned before. No basketball for a week locally, which um, us basketball nuffies, Brett and I, it's always a little disappointing, a little break with the FIBA break now in the world of basketball. The Jack Jumpers won't be seen until next Friday night in locally in Launceston, uh, the first game of the Silverdome. And without further ado, great to have an important part, a real cog in the Jack Jumpers wheel. Sam McDaniels joined us this morning. Good morning, Sam. How you guys doing? Going really well, thanks. Uh, how are you doing? Are you, are you having a few days off, are you, before you ramped back into training? <clears throat> yeah, so we had uh, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday off. Um, just yes. to kind of give everyone a little bit of a reset and um, take some time off. But now we're kind of back into it. Uh, we've been practicing the last two days and practice again today. So um, not too much time off. It, it's not quite the halfway mark, Sam, of course. Um, in fact, we're you know three, four, five games away from that, but it does feel like a, a little uh, break in time. Uh, an interesting start to the year for you personally and the team, losing the first three uh, and get it back to five and five at the ledger after 10 games. I assume at none and three, you would have happily said, well, we'll take five and five. Um, how do you assess the season so far? Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, like you said, starting nine and three <clears throat> uh, took us a while to to get our chemistry right. Um, but then also just the the schedule that we had. You know, coaches talked about it a lot in his press conferences and stuff. We've done a lot of travelling, um, and so it's a little bit easier on us this um, last two thirds of the season in terms of travel and just um, getting to play in front of our our home fans. So um, yeah, not not too uh, mad about being five and five. Sam, you had a had a stint over the over the preseason in the NBL one with the Chargers, where uh, you got the ball a lot. You were you know, probably the number one option um, for that team. How how has that helped you as far as preparing for the season and and, and actually getting some uh, some offensive reps heading into this year? 
Yeah, it was good. You know, it was um, obviously a little bit more laid back playing NBL one than than playing NBL, but yeah, it's just good to uh, be able to try out some some moves and some things that I work on um, in a game scenario with defenders guiding me and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, obviously give me a little bit of confidence, um, and yeah, obviously it's a, a step up going to the NBL, but um, just want to keep that that confidence and that uh, aggression that I had in NBL one for sure. It's starting the season, and you, you mentioned that um, Scotty Roth has mentioned in his press conferences the the tough schedule. You've been in New Zealand twice. You've flown to Perth, um, so it's it's been a tough run. He mentioned, I think, on a on a on a, a morning with us, David, that uh, that the opening seven or eight games would 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 really uh, establish the season. How you know, I guess five and five. Um, how is the general feel amongst the group, and 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 do you look back at that at that tough start and and see it as a as a success at five and five? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, it's just anything can happen in this in the league. And obviously we've got more than half our games to play. And, and as you, as everyone saw last year, starting two and six didn't stop us from getting to a grand final. So it's just about getting better every day in every game. Um, and if we keep progressing that way, I think that we'll be all right and, and we'll be in the running at the end of the year again. Do you think when you sit back in a vacuum at home and obviously reflect on last year was just an outstanding um, result that nobody saw coming, changed in the off-season as we know, McIntosh and Adams, etc. I've sort of looked this year at the team of recent times in particular and thought maybe you're a little bit deeper and maybe, just maybe, that as a squad... Yeah, there is a little bit more potential to be as good, if not better, than last year. Is that is that far fetched? I mean, is that how you think? That's absolutely how I think, and um, yeah, obviously Josh Adams and Mikhail McIntosh were great players, and they they complemented the team well last year, and that's you know a big part of the reason we did well last year. Um, the imports we've got this year are also great, um, great guys, and, and very very solid on the court. Um, but yeah, I think all the locals as well have have improved. Um, you know, you see it in guys like Sean Mack um, and you know even Fab Kristovich. Uh, um, all of our locals really, I feel like, have, have taken a step up, and and we've worked really hard. And so to see it paying off is is incredible. And I think that's going to uh, help us in the back end of the season to, like you say, have some some more of that depth. Sam, uh, Will Magne and, and Clint Steindl are, are, are returning soon, hopefully. Give us give us a bit of insight into, into Will Magne as, as, as a supporter base. We probably haven't seen the very best of him. He started last year having returned from an injury, started slowly and then is injured again. Tell us about what we can expect from him at his absolute best. Yeah, he's an absolute beast. Um, you know, he's a love threat offensively. Um, you kind of have to guard the whole team a, a, a bit of a different way when, when Will's rolling to the rim and, and is a threat to dunk the ball. Um, and then, you know, even on defense, he's just a, a great rim protector, a uh, guy who can just kind of, um, you know, cancel out shots or mistakes. You know, if you make a mistake on the perimeter and the, and the other team gets in the key, he can he can swat it away or whatever and just and help the team that way. So, you know, he's a beast. Um, I'm not entirely sure what you know people can expect from him in terms of minutes and in terms of um, those sort of things. That's obviously up to the coach and the medical staff. But I think as long as he stays healthy, uh, which I think he will, um, you know, he'll be great for us. He'll be a great addition for us, and um, he'll only make us deeper for sure. And Sam, when you when you were approached by the 
by the Jack Jumpers to, to join uh, year one of the franchise. Did you fall back on your dad a little bit to, to research, I guess, what Tassie's like and what the supporter base is like and how, how you know, a little bit about the basketball history here before you made your decision? Hello? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, we, we, we just lost you there, mate. I was, I was asking... Um, when you were recruited by the Jack Jumpers to, to come down here, did you did you bounce off your dad much around getting some information on the supporter base? I lost you um, <laughs> All right, it looks like we've just lost Sam. We we yeah. Look, that's that's an interesting one because I reflect on I reflect on Sam and his father. Such different players too, weren't they? You know, Wayne Wayne is a kid. Um, Big dude, big dude. Well, he's not. He's actually. We we thought he was a big dude back in the day, but he's probably about the same height. I think he was six foot six. Of course, Sam's a good six foot five sort of player. But they felt like different players. Very much Wayne, a forward, uh, rebounder, elbow jumpers. Um, yeah, different different game back then. As different well. game. It's probably a little. He's a, he was the dunk master, wasn't he, Wayne McDaniel? He just, yeah, you know, I just remember him as a kid. It oh, was free throw. You remember his free throw? He had that unusual free throw um, sort of set up. But a great player, played with Tassie Devils from 1989 to 1994. I mean, he'd be probably, in the, some would say, the the greatest ever the Devil. Greatest, maybe. Yeah, well, Steve yeah. Carfino had a pretty couple of good years here. Jumping Joe Hurst, I can't remember jumping Joe Hurst, but. From all reports, um, was ridiculous. I think with, uh, with 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 Sam, and it's and it's sad sad that we've we've lost him there. But um, he he's he's a really important part of um, of what the Jack Jumpers uh, are, are about, particularly yes. defensively. Um, he's got a you know really solid frame, and he, he defends and hustles, and uh, he plays a really aggressive uh, style defensively. Um, and like, like and, and it was great to hear from him about his you know, getting some reps through the charges um, throughout the winter and, and what that's meant to his game. No doubt about that. And I, I'm watching a couple of finally, I'll let, I'll, we'll move forward, but I watched some of those games, those charges games live, and he started to, you know, he was having that elbow jumper and those 16 footers and starting to get a bit of repetition where that offensive part. Looks like it was gonna. Well, yeah. One one thing quickly, Dave. He he was he was finding his spots in the first year, um, and he's now able to make them. I think we might still have Sam there back with us now. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> G'day, <laughs> mate. We've got you good as gold. We we're just talking about that offensive flow with you, and um, I did feel in the in the Chargers period. And I watched three or four games live that you played that. You were expanding your offensive game just a little bit. That's clearly an area that's a focus for you. Um, elbow jumpers, free throw line jumpers, and stuff. That you, you did. Did you find yourself in the winter having a bit more rhythm? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just you know, having that green light. Um, yes, you know, the green light. Um, and yeah, like you say, elbow jumpers and, and mid-range jumpers, I've always been very comfortable taking. Um, I just kind of wanted to make sure that my three-pointers were, uh, I was a bit more comfortable taking those and then just driving all the way and finishing around the rim and those sort of things and getting fouled and getting to the free-throw line. So it's kind of worked on everything and it was, uh, yeah, NBL 1 was a good opportunity to do that. Sam, before we lost you there, I was asking about um, 
the impact of, of your dad uh, on your decision to, to come to the Jack Jumpers or when you were being recruited by the Jack Jumpers or that was on the table? Did you use your dad much as far as you know, uh, research and finding some information about the supporter base and what Tasmania is like as a state? Yeah, I remember talking to him about it. Um, for me, it was, um, it was more about my situation and my, uh, my family and, and what I wanted to get out of my career and those sort of things. Um, but I, I, did, I did chat to him and he, he told me that he loved his time down here, um, loved the fans and, and loved everything about Tassie. Um, so that kind of confirmed um, the, the direction my decision was going. Uh, and for you now, you've got a, a nice break until next Friday night um, against New Zealand. Brett mentioned about Will Magna and Clint Steiner. We're, we're thinking they might be back for for the next game up north. Uh, fingers crossed. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I wouldn't want to put it out there that they are playing. Sure, sure. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but yeah, whenever whenever they are back. Um, It'll, it'll it'll help us a lot, um, but right now I think the the boys are doing a good job of uh, holding down the fort as well. I tell you what's a big challenge to New Zealand. They're going really well. It's a, it's an even competition, Sam. I I noticed you know Shane Hill tweeted a week into the year that there's only two teams can win it. Um, I see seven or eight teams who can probably win it. Does it feel even better? And the depth is more this this year than last year. You get cans that look two levels better than what they were, etc. Is that is that how it feels to you, having been a bit of a veteran in the league now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, if you look at the ladder, Sydney and, and New Zealand have kind of separated themselves a little bit. But then, yep. Um, uh, you know, it can happen very quickly that you know you lose a few on the uh, you know in a row and, and, and drop down the ladder, and you're right back in the mix with the other, like you say, seven or eight teams. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tight. Um, obviously, it's early in the season, but I expect it to be uh, tight all the way to the finish. Sam McDaniel, thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you up in Launceston, the next game against the Breakers. As you said, a top two at the moment. And all the best for the rest of the season. Good on you, Sam. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Sam McDun- McDaniel, who was missed in those early games, Brett, uh, missed the first... Yeah, I want to say four or five, wasn't it? Five, probably. Um, yeah, they do. They do. Scott the Billy now. Scott Roth to to roll. I mean, he liked rolling out all the numbers last year, but he he can turn to some different different players in in every spot. You know, I mean, whether it's Matt Kenyon starts, and then you want McDaniel to go into Cotton for a while. If you want, they do. You know, that versatility is there, isn't it? Oh yeah, uh, definitely. I mean the. Interesting, the next game, the Breakers have, have given them kittens this year. They really strangle them offensively, yep. and they, they play a, a really physical, Tough. Uh, combative style of game, hostile. Um, so we hostile. Play, with the, and, and we played them both times at home, obviously, and like I said, they've, they've really done a number on us um, defensively. We've struggled to score, and um, so it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out up in Launceston. The Silverdome, Friday the 18th. Look forward to getting up there to call that game with Chris Simons, of course, and great to have the people of Launceston get to see the Jack Jumpers for the first time this year. Let's go to a break. David Lithgow with you with Brett Jeeves this morning. Good morning. On SEN Tassie, Flash with David Lithgow.
A very good morning from the loft here at Harrison Agents in Salamanca. Great to have your company with us on the back of last night. Just a recap of the sports scores around the world. England, none for 170, Brett Cheese. That just reads amazing, really. What a performance from Butler and Hales. Smacking the Indians off the park, six for 168. We had Barat talking about this morning about India, and it was just such a poor first 10 overs. They didn't take advantage of the the narrow width um, at Adelaide and didn't hit any bombs at all. 29 off 20. I think Coley was 30 off 28 mm. at one stage. Now, Coley does do that, doesn't he? Like, he actually he builds and ends beautifully. He's one of the best I've ever seen do it. But Yeah, it is it is pretty rare that he that he doesn't get to the explosion stage. So once he, yep. once he navigates those first 20 balls... Yep. He, he generally goes on with it, so they were probably a bit stiff that he that he got out when he did. But uh, as Jared Waitley so beautifully put, the butler did it in a hailstorm, the likes we've never seen. <laughs> it was a master. Well, look, yeah, it, it was a little bit flattening to to me. Um, Jared's pre- call? No, not Jared's call. The fact <laughs> that he, the, the fact that. Um, yeah, Indy didn't get through. Anyway, it's going to be great. Replay of the, the 50 over final in 1992 when the great Imran Khan led Pakistan to that famous victory at the MCG. It's going to be a packed house. It's going to be noisy. The Pakistan fans mm. were were out and, out and about in, in Sydney. It is interesting when you get to these stages and say, you know, the Turin Indian fans are going around the country and so they get there at Adelaide and they've already sort of pre-booked their flights to Melbourne and, you know... Obviously, a lot of them have come from India themselves. A lot of them live in Australia now. And then you're trying to navigate around. Actually, how are we going to get there? How yeah, are we going to do it? Yeah. Uh, how are we going to be at the MCG? But we don't know if we're going to be there. It's interesting. You know, I was chatting to my dad last night about, about uh, a wedding he went to in Queenstown many, many, many years ago. And he loved cricket so much that he was shattered that this wedding was on a Saturday night in Queenstown. Your old man loved cricket so much. Loved, loved yes. cricket so More much. More than you. That he took, he took a transistor radio with him and put it in his, hid it in his pocket, yes. his jacket, so he could listen to the to the call. Yeah, and this is in nineteen ninety four, maybe. And he was spewing because it was the night. Remember, Peter Taylor took yep. absolute hanger, hanger against the West Indies off his own bowling. No, it was at mid off. I can't remember who. Maybe Steve Waugh was bowling. Yeah, right. West Indian player went. Didn't to, he take hang off his own bowling? No, oh, maybe. maybe. What but sure. he took one of the greatest catches of all time. I yes. my dad was telling me last night that he was he was spewing, so he didn't get to see, it, and he had to listen to it on a transistor radio. He hid in his jacket pocket at a wedding. Uh, you know, and, tra- but does it, anyone listen to little trannies anymore? My dad does. My but, dad's had. Yeah, know. but it, it kind of speaks to the passion yes. of Australian cricket that. Yeah, maybe some of these former stars are right. Maybe that passion yes. isn't there anymore from from the Australian fans, and it's certainly not not incompatible. You know, it's, it's it's not comparable to yeah. Pakistan and India. No, um, as proven by the the local crowds of of Australian games versus. India so, is there something? Games. What about with the change of coaching and all those things we've seen? Justin Langer on the way side. Meanwhile, his great mate Matthew Hayden's integral part of that mm. uh, Pakistan setup. I mean, those can those conversations are going to continue to be had um was langer hardly done by or was he not hardly done by hardly done by hard done by i should say i mean it's a it's a fascinating discussion do you want that hard backside coach as we know you know the word i was going to put in there mm-hmm. do you the old school values of discipline and structure and are we looking for more the man managers 
I mean, it's an interesting balance, isn't it? Yeah, and, and look, I mean, really importantly, that that style has to fit the playing group. Yeah. And, and I think it, it's really clear that the, the playing group had had enough of Justin Langer and, and his style, you know, that, that approach was was lost on them somewhat. So, and... and so, so would all the sorry to pull you up on that. Would all okay. the players say that if you spoke to all the players, one to eleven, nah, the, the majority, sure, unfortunately, sure, yeah. And, and I know where you're going because oh, I'm not. I don't. I don't have the answer. By yeah, the way. yeah. No, question. no, no. I think it's it's a it's a majority rule scenario. Mm. And look, this, this this transition of Justin Langer out of the team that that was no surprise to anyone within Cricket Australia for the for the previous twelve to eighteen months. There was a transition of responsibility away from Justin that the assistant coaches were more involved in um, communicating and leading training and, and Justin wasn't the sole voice and the sole guy so um, I think internally there was probably no surprise that that that, that, that had happened but if yep. you're, even if you're an outside observer looking in and you read and you read the headlines and you listen to the press conferences you knew that there was a little bit going on bubbling away underneath some unrest um, regarding Justin's style. So in a, in a nutshell, um, the, he lost the players, sure, but all the old players, the ex, his ex-teammates, are thinking that what the, what the hell has happened Yeah, here? but it's a different generation, isn't it? Is. it? He would have been a great mm. coach for me. I would have loved him. Yeah. It would have been amazing. He would have told me straight up, you're fat, you need to sort yourself out. Don't eat dagwood dogs as a break. Stop playing golf, go yeah. to the gym. Yep. And do it, or you're out. Work on your or outswing. I'll, or I'll sack you. <laughs> okay, sure. That's, that's going to work for me, but yeah. it's probably not going to work for Pat Cummins. It's probably not going to work for Steve Smith and, and this... Well, mm. maybe, I, I don't know about Steve Smith. He's a, you know, a little bit older, but um, you know, this generation of kids coming through, that, that style, that combative, hostile style, it just doesn't, doesn't have the impact I anymore. wonder how that moving forward now, um, how things evolve, how things change um, or not change. Andrew McDonald's the coach. We know that. Pat Cummins will be the leader now of the one-day team. I want to ask you actually in hot or not a few big questions about the leadership mm. in, in Australian cricket. I'll I will, I will say, that. just to wrap up, and I know we're going yes. to go to break, Andrew McDonald was probably not the coach um, to replace Justin Langer purely because he was internal. He would have been part of all the conversations. He was part of the... I shouldn't say he was part of the unrest, but he was across it all. He sat in all those conversations. He would have had uh, an opinion on Justin Langer, um, favourable, unfavourable, who, yes. who knows. And I think if, you, if you're going to replace that, that coach in Justin Langer, it needs to be an outside person that comes in, and if they want to keep Andrew McDonald and Michael Divinudo and... Dinky um, Hills. And, yeah, yeah, and those guys that have been around forever, then, then that's up to them. You know, I think you, you, need, to, you need a bit of a, a clean sweep in those instances. So um, recruit, um, appointing uh, or promoting Andrew McDonald internally, I think, was a, was a blunder. Can I just say, completely off topic here, um, we're down in Salamanca here at the loft at Harrison Agents. Brett, I've just seen... Uh, a minute ago, Peter Gutland walked through. He's been on this fitness diet health kick since he um, retired from politics. I've never seen a fitter-looking human than the former Premier, Peter Gutland. So, black belt karate. Oh, stands steer the, clear. I, I love the, uh, I love the, I love the, the, the little um, image of him that popped up getting his vax with the Black Panther. <laughs> and, it, and it took me by surprise. I did not expect um, Peter Gutland to hold a tattoo of such... Stature. Yes. It was big and it was meaty and it was tough. And, uh, and then I, I learned that he was a, a, a 
a pretty tough home you know, I, can't, well, I don't know why we're going down <laughs> this conversation, but you know, as a young 22-year-old new carpet salesman, which I was, doesn't sound overly flattering, does it? But I went to the top pub at Bridport Hotel, and the uh, owner there was a fellow called Peter Gutwin and his wife Mandy. They owned the pub at the top. Uh, I got the job and um, it was green carpet. So this is, you know, 20 years ago. I got the job, uh, green commercial carpet, and he was an absolute champion bloke from day one. Peter Gutwin owned the top yep. pub at Bridport. Yep. There you go. I, saw, I did not know saw that. It, saw it. It played a bit of cricket for Bridport, loved a can. Very normal, very wow. regular. And I think he, um, yeah, I think he was good. I think he was good for Tassie footy. I wonder if that Tassie footy thing where they lost a bit of momentum mm, when that would go. That's well, another it's conversation. Been, it's been quiet, but for another day. Newsflash, if, you, um, if you're in Bridport and you're looking for trouble, don't go to the bottom pub at Bridport. Oh, settle you, down, mate. You will it's not, not that find, bad. You will not find it there. The owner there, Darren Martell. No, right. Darren's not there anymore. Oh, he's not there? No, no, he's not there. Well, there you go. One of the greatest humans One of the alive. greatest. And Good morning a, to be listening this morning. And with a moustache, the, the toughest looking dude I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> and he played in his flag with his son at 48 at Bridport. I've heard yeah, some a, great football ripper. stories about Martello. David Lithgow and Brett Jeeves with you. Winding through the last half an hour, now time for the news. Analysis of Sunday night's T20 World Cup final at the MCG and music icons Rod Stewart and Cindy Lauper are teaming up to tour Australia from March next year. SEN Sport is next. England books a spot in the T20 World Cup final. Miss your favourite show? Want to catch up on an interview? Download and listen to every SEN podcast when you want it or on the SEN app. At the T20 World Cup, India has suffered a massive 10-wicket semi-final loss to England. Setting the Poms 169th win, England chasing the target down with four overs in hand. And Australia is through to the semi-finals of the Billie Jean King Cup. Storm Sanders and Isla Tomlanovic have both won their singles matches. SEN Weather is next. Miss your favourite show? Want to catch up on an interview? Download and listen to every SEN podcast when you want it. Or on the SEN app. Join in the racing chat by following SEN Track on Twitter at SEN underscore track. Showers today going for a top of 22. For tomorrow, Saturday, a cloudy top of 15. And on Sunday, showers increasing and going for 17. And the ICC T20 World Cup final between Pakistan and England is live this Sunday night right here on SEN. And what a great call it will be indeed. Can't wait for the final. Look, it is disappointing there's no India there, but Pakistan and England will be a beautiful beauty. Hey, listen, did you see um Jeff Fennick? What happened there? He got he got that he got that title from Azuma Nelson back. Thirty years ago, from thirty years ago. And and look he, he towered up Nelson in that yep. um in that was that that was at Princess Park, was it? No, no it wasn't no, that one. No, that no, was no, the no. other it was one. Over at, um, where was it? Oh, was that the one? It was in Las Vegas. It was in America. Maybe? Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, an, an enormous crowd. Fennec towed him up. It was called a, a draw. Uh, so they've gone back and... and uh, History and they, revision. And, and they've over, overturned it. So the, the footage of Fennec receiving his, his belt now becoming a four-time world champion. Um, just quite remarkable. I wonder if ever... Um, good morning to the, all the Carlton fans out there who've um, 
endured the worst 20 years of their um, supportership. I wonder if the AFL-VFL one day will go back and look at the boundary line vision of Wayne Harms getting the ball metre outside the outside the yeah. boundary line to bring it back in for, for uh, Carlton to beat <laughs> Collingwood in that grand final. Oh, I'm, sure Col- I'm sure Collingwood fans would like the Jeff Fennick rule to, to apply and the cup to, to be moved from... Princess Park down to Victoria Park in the old. I know they're not there anymore, but you've just opened up a, a whole heap of wounds in psychologists all over the state. The hotlines are, are going going off. It's um, amazing. But it, does yeah, it mean anything? Thirty years later, do you sit back and have your you know your I think meat and two veg that night, a glass of wine, say, babe. I think I've it done does. it. I got it back. I think it does for Jeff Fennick because I mean that was. <laughs> That was abysmal, you know. Yeah. I mean, and that, they've gone back and and uh, rejudged that fight. Unanimous points. Yes. Um, to to Fennick was the was was the new decision. Yeah, but how, how, so do, how you, do you how do you get it so wrong? Corruption, maybe. Was there is there well, something untoward going on there? I would imagine then there is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of boxing events that need to be out back and revisited and actually work out. It's a big can of worms. Yeah, that's that, what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, it's a good point. I can understand. Mm. I can understand where you're at, but that was that was pretty blatant. So and terrific that our little Australian champions now four-time world champion, yep. and he, he deserved that because he he did. He he towed Nelson up. Let's go to a break. Hot or not? Coming up here with Flash and Brett Jeeves. On SEN Tassie, Flash, with David Lithgow. It's hot, real hot. That's hot, that's hot, that's hot, that's hot. This is hot. It's so damn hot. Not. Oh, mama, Brett. Hot or not time for a Friday morning here. Plenty to talk about too, young man. Um... Let's kick things off here. This is, um, look, this is clearly a bugbear of mine. So I'm going to ask you, for hot or not, hot or not, have we just been robbed of the greatest sporting show ever seen in Australia with England's demolition of the Indians last night? Not. (laughs) Absolutely not. not. We saw it. What do you mean absolutely not? We saw it. We've we've already had it. The 1989 grand final in front of 100,000 plus people. Hawthorne, Geelong. Geelong come back from 56 points. Hawthorne win by six. Yates, Brereton, Dippietta, Menico off in a hospital. All of them off to hospital. Broken cheeks, fractured elbows, heads. It was everywhere. That's the greatest sporting moment of of Australia's history. And we've Thank seen you, it. We've already seen it. We've seen it. So no, we've uh, not been denied. Yeah, I, I disagree vehemently, but that's well, fine. Well, I didn't ask you, so no, no, you don't, you don't get sure. a say. Okay. Hot or not, David, do you need to be qualified to be a pro sport coach? Oof. I love Jeff Saturdays, that 40 seconds that we... In fact, if you haven't heard it, let's... Question without notice, Steve. Let's put on that 40 seconds of Jeff Saturday, who was announced as the Indianapolis coach earlier in the week. Here's a deal. Everybody talks about my, I'm completely comfortable in who I am as a man, bro. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I have no fear about, are you as qualified as somebody else? Bro, I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to playoffs 12 times. I had 
I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that play with it. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, one Super Bowl's been to two. Like, here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. <laughs> I just love listening to that. I love he's the word of bra, dang, um, God bless. It was all there. So that was Jeff Saturday, who's been announced as the coach of the Indianapolis Colts from nowhere. No coaching experience, what have you. So do you need to be qualified as a pro sport coach? I say absolutely not. You need to understand nah. the game, definitely. But you're right. This, so, but you, 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 you got to have the people around you, however, of course. What is qualification to be a coach? Well, so I'll give you an example. In Australian cricket, you yep. can be a level three qualified coach. Sure. Does that What are you? Uh, level two from 2001. Righto. But does that, but does, does that actually... Does that mean any level three coach in Australia sure. is qualified to coach the Indianapolis Colts? To, no, to coach a, the, the Australian <laughs> cricket team? Absolutely yeah. not. So you can no. be qualified. Yep. You can have all the paperwork, yes. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're qualified. No. And I think Jeff's the, the Jeff Saturday scenario, and he's made up. I've seen excellence. Uh, I've seen success. Yep. I've watched. Yep. I know how this works. I've won I'm, Super Bowls. I know the recipe to success. Yep. Let me let me unfold this. Let me cook. And if I suck, I'll let you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrific. I like it. Oh, I've got. To, I actually asked you that one, but I'll ask again since it's all about you today, David. David, hot or not, Australia's T20 campaign was an absolute disaster. Hot, hot, hot. Absolute disaster for mine. And I would say we're we're gonna ref, we're gonna reflect on that. That I'm not sure we made the hard decisions beforehand. I'm not sure we made the hard decision to move Aaron Finch on. I know it would have been a difficult decision. Uh, I wasn't sure that we could leave Pat Cummins out of the team, uh, and it had to be Pat. Because, and I get it. Like if you said the vacuum to me 12 months ago, oh Cummins is not our best T20 side, I would have laughed at you. But we just missed tricks, and we didn't make the hard decisions which perhaps needed to be. And um, but that's T20 as well. It can flip into overs. Your tournament can be over as well. I couldn't. I couldn't work out the the, the Mitch Stark omission well, from the Afghanistan. Well, well game. his record the last 12 months isn't great. However, absolutely, he had to. And he's just got to have the first prone, doesn't he? First over. Yeah. I mean, he he can break it open. He can. It give you give you two or three in a in a hurry. And we saw that against. Um, uh, Ireland. We in did. That game at the Gabba, he we just did. went bang, broke we it did. open. And he struggled a little bit late, but, geez, I mean, he's worth two or three up front, particularly when, so. when you need to restrict a team to under 100. That means early wickets. Nathan Ellis, I would have liked Mitch to Mitch Stark is too. a man. I had Nathan Ellis written down here. Yep. The Jack Jumpers at five and five are actually in better shape, Brett Jeeves, than last year. Hot or not? Statistically, they are. So, hot. That's Damn. definitely hot. I think... Um, and I, I actually, it was interesting listening to Sam McDaniel earlier talk about, you know, his love of the depth and and you know his his love of the new players and what that's what that's meant to the team and what they can actually do together. Um, I love Milton Doyle. I think he brings a completely different Fantastic. dynamic to, to Adams as a as an off guard to to Majet. He hasn't got that that elite level shot making that we saw from Adams at the back end of the year, but he does everything else so well. He defends well. He passes well. He's a playmaker. He can get his own Cuts shot when ring. he needs to. Yep. Um, he's, a, he's not 
he's not as one-dimensional as, uh, as, as Adams was. So uh, Magne comes back. Sam McDaniel described him as a beast. And when you describe someone as a beast publicly, that means they can play. Um, so you know, hopefully Magne comes back and shows us a bit. Uh, and then obviously Clint Steindl as well with, with his uh, three-point shot making will, will be a huge addition. So I, I really like where the Jack Jumpers are at. Hot or not, Davey Warner has done his time and should be made the skipper of the T20 team. <laughs> not. Not. My goodness. This, this as a conversation spins me out. Even, even prior to the sandpaper incident, if, if Davey Warner's in your leadership group, I think you're in strife as a team. Why do, can I stop you there? Why do his teammates and, and everyone else speak so highly of him? Because he's a good cricket brain. No, and, but no, no. As, and, a, as a and dude, his experience. As a dude off the park, people always speak really highly of him. It, that's a bit of cricket culture, okay. I think. Yeah, okay. I just, I, I, I can't so buy into it. So that's a knot. It's a knot from me. Nah. Yeah, I just don't see it. And, and look, I wouldn't have had Steve Smith as a, as a captain either. I just don't think as a... As a communicator, he he, he gets the job done, and no. you know there is a there is a level to leadership, particularly the Australian leadership in cricket, where you have to be able to communicate really well, and and you have to be perceived by the masses mm. as as relatable. You 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 have to be relatable to the majority of Australians, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure these guys are. Um, but anyway, we'll move forward. Hot or not, David? And this will be the last one before we cut to a break. I'm going to pick carefully here. And I know this is right up your alley. Hot or not? Jeff, Saturday, as a standalone, will revolutionise coaching. Hey, brah. <laughs> uh, I, lo- no, I loved it. I'm going to follow this Jeff Saturday story really closely. As you know, I love my NFL. Um, I'll be watching the Colts, and I think a lot of us will be jumping on the Jeff Saturday bandwagon it was announced, and that very, very good 42 seconds of... That's all you need to know about Jeff Saturday, wasn't we? found out everything we need to know. That was hot or not for another week. We'll come back shortly after a break to wrap up things here. On SEN Tassie, Flash with David Lithgow. Just winding down the last few minutes before we go to Julian De Stoop in the Captain's Run, Brett Jeeves, Harrison Agent segment. We've got a beauty today to talk about. 14 Clarence Street in Bell Reeve. You want to talk about hot or not? This is a hot, Brettie boy. Four bedrooms, two bathrooms, six car spots. Glenfield is situated in the heart of historic Bill Reeve on Hobart's eastern shore. It was built in 1881 May of the renowned O'May Ferry Service. Nick Cowley tells me he's a famous gentleman. It's a fine example of Victorian carpenter Gothic architecture, Brett. Are you familiar with your Gothic architecture? There's a lot of black. With its steeply pitched gabled roof, decorative finals, a lot of words here I'm struggling to say, and ornate barge boards <laughs> combined with symmetry of the grand scale of Victorian cottage with a little change to the original footprint of the house the interior has been refurbished to suit contemporary living at present there are two bedrooms downstairs and three bedroom upstairs for sales offer 
offers over 1.6 million. 14 Clarence Street, Bill Reeve. Please contact Nick Cowley and Simon Purden with that little beauty. Brett, now I need to ask you before you go. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I mentioned on the radio about your social basketball performance, and there was a letter from the from the from 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 the, uh, from the referees, not directed to you, of course, but to the dad bods in particular about just toning down the verbal altercations you're having with the referees. How's things going there? Has that improved the last two or three weeks? Have you learned to shut up and just let the ref do his job or not? I wouldn't say they were altercations. (laughs) I would say a misunderstanding on how many questions you're allowed to ask the refs. Sure. And look, let me say this to you, David. Basketball is great. It is great. Basketball is great. It is great. Uh, No, look, we've we've been terrific. Um... Look, no one's been ejected, no technical fouls. No one's punched uh, a ref, A right. dude, a young bloke, actually one of the refs of the competition, yes. was ejected last week as a player and was allowed to come back and ref this week but wasn't allowed to play. So it kind of <laughs> worked that one out. But, um, no, nah, look, it's, it's great fun and, and importantly, it's just great to run around. Um, I did, I did, um, I did accidentally clean a, a fella up in almost the, the, I, I came off the bench and my legs just don't work how they're no. used to him. And you, you, you know what it's like, yep. David. So young bloke's on a fast break. we got a break. yard on you, but it's not working he's like got, used to. He's got two or three metres on me, and I still think I'm a, I'm a runner. So As we I, do. I think I can chase him down. I kind of make, I make up some ground, yes. and then I think what I can do is stop and jump straight up in the air. Don't I happen. can't stop and jump no. straight. I propelled straight into this bloke. Send him into For the all those wall. wondering, Brett Jeeves is very sound <laughs> defensively. He's committed to the cause, but he's yet to score double-figure points in any game. Not true. Oh. Scored 15. I hit four out of five threes. No. And a layup, too. I did. A I had fib. a day out. Absolute day oh, out. I wish I was there. Haven't made one since. So the Thanks captain's run with Julian De Stoop coming up shortly. David Lithgow and Brett Jeeves with you. I hope you all have a fabulous weekend. Good on you. Razzle, dazzle.